I have oftentimes noticed that there are two words that are pitted as either or, reality or imagination, right? And that, that creates this whole taboo around. Welcome to Finding Your Spark again. I am so glad you're here with me this week. Our guest today, Kimberly Braun, has spent over a decade as a monastic nun, exploring the path of presence. With a master's in theology coupled with ordination, she lives to inspire others to connect to and live from divine love at their center. She's a TEDx speaker and former meditation faculty at the renowned Omega Institute. Kimberly's communication skills ignite transformation on all levels, serving others to lives of greater freedom and joy. She has served tens of thousands through her writing, speaking, retreats, online courses, and community, and has two new books in 2023. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, I am so glad you're here. I am super excited to really kind of dig into this concept of standing strong in joy, right? Really standing in that, connecting those concepts of strength and joy. And we don't usually do that. <laughs> so I, I'm really excited to dive into that. Before we go right to the topic, though, please uh, tell us a little bit about how did you become a nun? <laughs> you know, it was it was a pretty simple process from a very young age, as you mentioned in my bio. I was having experiences that I call are deeply mystical or unitive. And I was experiencing time stopping a lot and timelessness opening up. And that happened in nature. We were Catholic. That happened in ritual. That happened in my family construct. It was happening spontaneously, unsought by me as a young girl. But what's significant about that is not only that it was happening because I think children have a lot of uh, permeable boundaries to the deeper experience of life. Oftentimes as adults, we build up guarded ways that we don't let life move us spontaneously as much. But what was coupled with that was that I connected the dots on where real happiness could be found for me. And I was given understanding of what this life is about, at least for me. I don't kind of push my, my experience on others, but my experience stands as an opportunity for others to tap in on themselves. Like, where, what do I really think about that? What do I really feel about that? And this was an experience of life as a love affair. And at the time I would have said a love affair with God. Uh, God is a word that I use, but I use it in a completely different context. Things like source, spirit, consciousness, self, all of that are equally uh, representative of that word God. And my love affair exploded in my late teens, early 20s. And it became so dramatic that my life was unfolding and healing and being uh, transformed 
within this love affair, everything was replete with this light and this sweetness. And it was the natural choice just to want more of that. That's how it kind of was. It's like, you know, when you're in love and you're like, I just want to be with the one I love. That's all it was, was that. And then there were signs and all sorts of things that happened that offered me a direction of how to go about that or how I may be called uh, in that. And it resulted by a lot of mystics who are Carmelites. That's a tradition in Catholicism. They started showing up in my life left and right through signs, through pictures, through presence. And I knew that they were part of my community. I was part of theirs. So it was a very natural step for me. I didn't go seeking. I went already full and desiring more and knew then that it would be a journey of growing and learning. And I really wanted that. I wanted to learn everything about myself to be of service in the world in the fullest capacity I could. And monastic life is 24-7. You're, you're pouring yourself out in love for the world. So it satisfied a lot of those natural desires for me. That is so wonderful. You know, I love that you're talking about this mystic state and childhood because uh, I think we, many of us have experienced in our childhood things that we don't expect to experience in our adulthood, right? Time stopping, time slowing down, uh, popping into other versions of reality, you know, having mystical experiences with people who we consider not here anymore. Um, you know, all of these kinds of uh, connection to our fullness, they are, they are called childhood imagination, right? They're like, oh, it's fine. So what? She's five. It's okay. She's 10. It's all right. You know, oh, she's so imaginative, isn't she? <laughs> right? But when you hit like, you know, 15, 16, 17, 20, they're just like, the world is like, that is not okay. Like you can stop that now. Right? I'm going to jump in on that because... I have oftentimes noticed that there are two words that are pitted as either or, reality or imagination, right? And that, that creates this whole taboo around imagination. It kind of, well, she's not really in reality. When imagination is really the portal to the deeper experience of reality. And you've got amazing scientists. You've got Tesla and Einstein and um, Madame Curie, and, and they all stepped in to knowing beyond cognition. They held a field of possibility, and possibility is where imagination shows up. You know, when I was young, I was like, I'm going to be on Broadway. <laughs> and, and everybody was like, okay. <laughs> right? But I was young enough that there weren't enough people that mattered in my life that said, be realistic <laughs> until later, right? And uh, and that, that can be a real squash to not just that imagination, but also to that ability to access the happiness, right? The strength of who we are, which is, you know, you, you, you talked a little bit about this. I would love to go into it a little deeper, deeper about you said, I found the space of my joy or something to that effect. And 
I have experienced that in adulthood, right? I knew that in childhood quite easily, but in adulthood, I have found that in a very specific place. And uh, I would love to hear more about that because I think that that's how strength and our core and our God, for the lack of a better way of putting it, right? Whatever way you put this idea of something bigger than you is all is connected to that joy. I, I agree. And my experience, um, and especially coming from those childhood experiences, was that I experienced all of this arising from within me. So that's a big key. Uh, I think there's value in recognizing that we as individuals are discovering our limitations. And so when we look, when we look to the transcendent, when we look to the bigger part of reality, and um, it could be God source, it could be universal energy, life force, we, we get out of our own way. But ultimately, what I experience directly and what I have seen happens for every true mystic, eventually what happens is the arising of all of this happens right at the very center of the human being. And therefore, therefore, if that's so, and if you're listening, you don't need to just swallow that, but if it resonates with you as possible, it's worth exploring because what I have found is that the more that is awakened in me and I'm living from that place, the more joy is the way I walk in life because there is an, there's a essential nature that is ourselves. And that nature is free, is joyful, is loving it has equanimity. It has all these qualities that we strive to cultivate and practice. But eventually our practice gives way to the experience that that's actually our essential nature, that we never lose it. We may build blocks that separate us from access to it or make it more difficult through our ideas or our trauma or the collective consciousness. But it's always there because we couldn't be alive. It is the life force itself without those qualities. So I do. I have been working for 23 years now assisting others in awakening to that connection with themselves and living from that place. And the natural fruit is joy. Because it's hard to force joy. If, if you're really feeling anxious or depressed or totally stressed out, to practice joy, you know, it can help a bit because it releases some brain chemicals, you know, like laughter yoga and things like that can help. But the real stability comes from tapping into our essential nature. And then the joy is the fruit and, and, the juice of where we're coming from. It's kind of like having a boat and it's the rudder and the wind in the sails. So, uh, and, and I help people get in touch and, and from on a practical level, live from that place. And with that comes the greatest strength because life is fraught with diversity. And in that diversity, some of these things are pleasant that happen in our lives. Some are unpleasant. Some give us pleasure. Some cause us great suffering. 
Uh, there are all sorts of things that happen in our lives. Well, if we are to navigate it from a place of strength, what we want to do is tap into that essential nature. And part of that essential nature's quality is joy. So we don't bypass it and pretend we're joyful when we're not. We come close to ourselves so that in the strength of our being, part of the fruit is joy. And inevitably, oftentimes we'll stand alone in that. And that's not always comfortable, right? If everyone's all upset about something, it's not really comfortable if you're standing there from a place of strength and you have a quiet joy about you. No, it's very uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. And particularly, I think, uh, you know, I see people go from a life where they're like engaged in all these other emotions. And then as we work together, they get they get more in touch with that joy. And it is excruciating for the people around them. Right. It is really hard for people who are counting on you to behave in a certain way that you have been trained to behave, right? They know you in the way that you've become. And, and there really is a, a bit of a death in that, right? There really is like the people around you are going to have to um, face at some point that you are now part of that bigger strength of you. Yes. And I think that's where then eventually it becomes a little bit contagious because it's not forced upon anyone. You're simply living it. And then it's a little, it's a little infectious, you know, when you have somebody that's got a real sweet joy and you can pick up from them, there's uh, an availability uh, to life, to the people around them. And there's something that is disarming about that. It doesn't strike the defensive. It actually invites in. I'd love to get back to this concept of our love affair. Let's have a love affair. Um, <laughs> so this is a, you know, when we say, I want to have a love affair with my life, that is, again, not something that is really encouraged outside of spiritual circles, right? When we when we're in some sort of spiritual context and we say, I want to, I want to feel good. That's, that's okay. <laughs> right. That's all right. But when we're in our day-to-day -day life and we have our suit on and we're supposed to do something, whether it's run a company or sell something or whatever it is that you write is part of that day-to-day -day living that you're talking about really bringing that strength and joy into that life. Let's talk about what does that love affair look like? Like, how do we do that? You know, it's a great question. And there are universal ways that I think are worth naming. And then there is the individual. And the beauty of being an individual, in my opinion, is that you are magnificent yourself, period. And so the, the individual path we, we learn to cultivate the respect for our path. We learn to ask the intimate questions of ourselves that let us be honest with ourselves and authentic with ourselves. We can note where something works and where something doesn't work. And it's not filled with judgment or blame or shame or guilt. It's just simply honoring your path. So there's the individual part, which I can't answer in a catch-all phrase because everyone's path is unique. The universal call that results in that strength 
is, is the willingness to name these priorities as the framework of your life, or at least to experiment with it, and then begin to orient your choices and your perspectives according to those priorities. So let's say my priority is um, sometimes I feel strong and joyful and other times I don't. I want to feel strong and I want to be strong and joyful at all times. Then what we do is we move the questions away from the black and white that go into well, he did this, or she said that, or this is really hard, or I can't make my bills or that, like all these very real time things. We move our questions out of that realm and we move them a little deeper. How can I approach this moment from this place of strength and joy within me? And in that we give license to the childlike qualities of ourselves to become operative. Now with that, I believe it's very helpful to have some practices that begin to work with the neural pathways and work with our physiology. It's like giving yourself a leg up. It's like if you go to the gym and you lift weights, it's going to be easier to lift the 30 pound box than if you didn't do that. So practice is, is not the goal to be really great at your practice. It is the spiritual muscle strengthening that gives the capacity to rest into these parts of ourselves. And the love affair is one with ourselves, right? Because my, 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 my path is very devotional oriented. Not everybody's that way. I'm very much, my poetry is all like Rumi and Kabir and Hafiz. And my poetry is so like that because that's my life. And what I discover more and more is that beloved is active right within me. There's a great phrase that a mystic, a Spanish mystic said, John of the Cross. He said, look with the beloved's eyes and you will see the beloved's face. Now you could take a lifetime just with that one phrase and practice it because it does two things. First to look with the beloved's eyes means you've got to drop in to your center to access that part of you. And then second, you look out on everything that's not you with those eyes and you discover over and again that it's the beloved that's right before you, even in the coworker that you, you butt heads with, uh, you know, and, 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 and a dramatic example would be something like the Scrooge story, the Christmas Carol, right? He was caught. He was so caught in the stress and patterning of his trauma and his conditioning that he had developed a true negativity about life. He had become, he had moved away from his strength. He had moved away from his joy. Then what happens in one night, he has this uprooting experience that breaks that all down, that heals it, that changes him. But he, he didn't become something different. He returned to the person that he was at a certain period of his time. And then he looked out. And I think the great image there in the movie is what does he do? He wakes up in the morning and he doesn't know what day it is. And he opens the windows and he looks out with openness and hope. He had touched in on the strength 
that resulted in what? I mean, he was giggling, right? He was like surprising everyone with gifts because it was just, he had touched in on himself. So that's a dramatic transformation. We all have access to that every moment of every day. And I'd like to say that I have always found that it's much easier than what we think. And where we, where we experience difficulty is our hesitancy to jump in and our hesitancy to, uh, just give it our all and see what happens. You know, I mean, there's a great loss of, of reputation that goes with that, right? <laughs> yeah, so I love this example. It's a great dramatic example. And quite honestly, I never thought about Scrooge in those terms. And it's absolutely fitting, right? It's wonderful. Um, I, I, you know, you have a course that talks about being able to do this in a storm, right in the storm. And, uh, I, I, I really relate to that language and to that idea, because I feel like a lot of times we, we, maybe we do condense ourselves like Scrooge did, right? We, we put up those walls and we go like, okay, I figured it out, but just don't let anybody in everything's going to be fine, except that we then a while later, we realize, oh, but I'm miserable, <laughs> right? So, so there's no energy flow. None of that is happening. You're not really present in your life. And then we figure that out. We have that awakening of sorts. We say, okay, I feel better. I'm open. I'm, I can see colors differently, right? My life is clearly changing. I'm tapped into a vision of something that is different than where I've lived before, right? Um, but but then life comes along and kind of knocks you down, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, for me, it was a period where, you know, my, my uh, late husband passed away, my house sold, like the whole swirl went like this, right? I like to call it the portal of change because... Um, because when, because I had practiced, right. I had prioritized as you talked about, I had a practice that was for me very much like dance, not physically like dance, but very much like dance in that it was something I enjoyed doing every day. So I did it. Right. And, uh, as opposed to like, okay, gotta go take care of my meta, my mental condition. Let's get it done. You know, no, really bring in that enjoyment. Right. And so when I walked through that period, uh, which was absolutely a storm, right. It was really a, a, a period of time where you can say, Hey, I'm losing, <laughs> or you can say, huh, I'm, I'm new. I'm definitely new in this moment. I am different than the moment before. And I don't know what that is. I'm standing in that field of possibility. And so I, I'd love for us to poke at that just a little bit more. You know, it's just, uh, you've, you've given a great personal example and none of us is exempt from that. None of us. There's not one human being, not one, even the person that you think is so favored in life that has not gone through at least one major storm in their life. And as we grow in kindness and love, we actually grow in our connectivity to all the world where storms are going on all the time. So there is a certain resiliency that is, that's part of uh, life. That's part of life. Like I don't, I can't tell you I'm extremely intuitive and empathic and I've, I've needed to learn, uh, what that means. 
you know, something can be happening on the other side of the world that's dramatic and, and violent. And I can wake up kind of, whew, you know, with anguish. That's the blessing of being connected. And as we grow and change and become beings of love, we become, we become absolutely vulnerable. Like the book, The Peaceful Warrior. And if you've never watched the movie, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior or The Peaceful Warrior, brilliant by Dan Millman. And a phrase he has in the book says this, the true place of power is absolute vulnerability. Whoa, like that'll throw you, right? Yes, there is so much to unearth about that. But first, recognizing that you are never alone in that. And I think when we enter into those periods, one of the operative questions is, what do I do? What do I do? Now, there's a desire to be out of the storm. And it may or may not be that we're meant to be out of the storm, like the elements you know, I got to say, sometimes you, you're just in a store, like you do not have control over the whole world. You don't, right. <laughs> you know, sometimes, wait, wait sometimes. roll it back, put it back in his body. <laughs> like, you just don't have control. So now you're in the storm. Like you can like it, you can dance in the rain or, or you could like lay down and feel like you're going to die, but you've got a lot of choices in that moment. Right. But but I think being out of the storm is not really one of them. I mean, obviously, if the storm is a drama in your life, then that's a different thing, right? If you're, if the storm is somebody inviting you to the drama, <laughs> then then you have choices about whether you participate or not. Um, yeah, I I I love that you're talking about this. This is really wonderful, and I love that um, that core strength concept uh in moments where we feel like oh this is too much and and suddenly you are pushed into a space that you realize uh if you're fortunate right if you've done some work on it that that actually this is a place i've never been before and i am more connected than i've ever been before as you said through vulnerability right i i love this um idea that you've brought up about uh, really being um, a part of the whole, right? But being intuitive and waking up with those feelings uh, and saying, okay, I am a part of this. That's why I know about it at this moment. That's why I can feel what's happening. But it also means that I have an impact that's massive, even though I'm just little old me over here feeling a little better one moment at a time. I love that. And you know where I had the best experience of that was in the monastery. So I grew up in a family that was very charismatic. We had a, a, a lot of charismatic gifts. Those are things like laying on of hands for healing, spontaneous prayer, prophecy, all sorts of gifts. So I was in a formative time that that was all part of our lifestyle. But where I experienced what you're talking about so dramatically was when I was in the monastery. And it's funny because when I went to enter, and you can tell I'm, I'm passionate and vivacious and that, and everybody around me was like, why are you joining a monastery? Like, why are you leaving the world? Like, you know, you're so, 
You've got so much life and you've got so much to offer. Why would you leave it all? And I knew I was going into an environment where I could explore the greatest connection with the world. And I said, I'm not leaving the world at all. I'm actually going right into the heart of the world. And as I was there, that's what happened. We would psychically and intuitively know everything. And we would participate with single-hearted focus in the meditation and the prayer that could be of service to whatever was going on, whether it was an individual, a couple that wanted to get pregnant and couldn't get pregnant. Everybody that came to us that wanted to get pregnant would get pregnant within a month because we would, we would set it in our novenas and we would focus our attention on it, not because of us, but because their trust opened them and we got to participate in the dance. And it was the same with world events. We didn't have newspapers, we didn't have TV, we didn't have radio, but I knew everything I needed to know. And I would even have visions of things happening. And, and we participated in a, in, a, in a very powerful place that gets underestimated as human beings. You know, we're so much more than this. And when we explore that we're more than that, we experience, we are impacted and we impact. I love that you use that word because that's a strong word in, uh, in the Western culture around living a meaningful life is what's your impact. I mean, that's a real, it's kind of a buzzword now, right? What's your impact? Not what's your bottom line, what's your impact? And I love that shift in the consciousness. And when we discover that impact, it does not lead us along the paths we think it opens us up to unexpected gifts that we have, like my building the monastery in my book. I mean, this book that just came out, I've got a TED talk on it. Uh, who would have thought after six and a half years in silence and meditation and never thinking I would be doing anything other than our rituals, that I would end up building a 17,000 square foot monastery. That's the impact of spirit at my center. And the openness to all the people that were inspired to be a part because they were just as much contributors as me. So holding the space for that, holding the field for that, holding the container for ourselves and for our world that provides an easy way to evolve and live from this place of strength and joy. So that's in your book, Miracles in the Naked Light? Yes, that story of the, the initial inspiration and then as it unfolds, that process. Uh, and it goes into a third book that's already written, but I, I will publish it, you know, after a year or two af after this book is going, because you're going to be left, you'll read the book and you'll be like, wow. And then you're going to be left hanging. You're going to, no, you know, how when you read a book, you're like, it can't end this way. It's like the Tolkien series or the Lord of the Rings or something, you know, and they leave you with that hanging at the end where Frodo's got the ring. And that's it. That's all you know. <laughs> you said yes. That's it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> so wonderful. <laughs> I love that the playfulness of that is like, I want to give it to you a little at a time so you can play in my story as I have gotten to play in my story. So wonderful. So wonderful. 
That's really great. That's really great. Well, I feel like we could just talk all day and all night and into the next 50 weeks. And so we're going to have to cut it short. <laughs> I, I understand. And I love our conversation. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I feel uh, so much that you are amazing at um, really expressing some core ideas that are very difficult to express and you are a beautiful being and i really appreciate that you're here and that your mouth is open now right when it was time to open your mouth you opened your mouth and that i think that's really about the call right that's the thing that we feel in us and then we move forward and suddenly you're building a monastery and writing books. Um, can you tell us uh, what have you got going on? Obviously, we're going to link the book for everybody because you should absolutely pick it up. Uh, but what else uh, would, is there a way that people should get in touch with you? Sure. And just to tag on with the book, um, if you buy the print book, you can buy it off Amazon or Grace Point Publishing. Uh, I'm, I'm offering a 30 minute free healing session with that book. So if you are in a place right now where you're in a storm and you would like a friend, uh, I would love to give you that time. So for, for each of the print books, uh, I'm offering that as a gift. But there's audio, which is my voice, which is great. They did it in studio and an ebook. You have many options. Yes. So uh, one big thing that I have going on in addition to the book travels and email me if you want me to come to your area. I will go anywhere and I'm, I'm starting to book out the year is I've got a very powerful online summit called discovering self. And I have 10 other speakers that I have pulled from a lot of different backgrounds and they are powerhouses. They have discovered their inner strength and we're going to have a lot of live gatherings. We're going to have pre-recorded insight talks. We're going to have group shares. We're going to do a lot of powerful, fun things. And you can sign up for that. It's going to be the first weekend in the new year. And you can even attend just part of it because I don't expect people to sit in front of their computers for a solid weekend. But you have access to all the recordings and all the people. And you'll know the schedule ahead of time. You can plan your weekend around it. And I tell you, these people are so they have come to such a place of freedom in life that they have something really to share with us all. So that's discovering self that's right on my website under the events that's happening right now. And then I have an ongoing online community and you can join for very little. And we have monthly meetings where we explore things just like these discussions and people get a chance to use their voice. You know, Donna Lynn, like you mentioned, using your voice, how supported are we in our culture to use our voice to speak our truth? Not hardly at all. We're even saying it against the tide sometimes. Here's a safe place for you to explore your truth on deeper things. And then three times a year, we do a wonderful intensives that I call meditation immersions, but they're more than that. They're a little bit more robust and it's a fun way to cultivate your own practice. So, uh, so those two things are, are going on that are really worthy of your attention. If you're listening. Nice, really nice. I so appreciate that. 
and so I want to remind everybody. So her website is KimberlyBraun.com. If you're looking at a visual, you've seen it already. But if you haven't, it's all linked everywhere on every platform. And uh, I really encourage you to get in touch with Kimberly. And of course, uh, you can get in touch with me at donalyn.blog, where you can get a free guide on how to become unbreakable. That's really those things we were talking about, right? How do we walk through life and still be okay? And uh, and uh, of course, you can reach out to me and uh, get in contact with me, and there's a free session available there. laughing with you <laughs> so wonderful <laughs> so i'll see you guys next time <laughs>